0: You know, um, I have, uh, most of you know, I've been married for a little over a year now. And in the course of that year, I've learned a lot. Believe me, I've learned a lot. And one of the things I've learned is that um, when it comes to communication, men and women really different in that arena. Um, for me, good communication is this. Basically, I hear what you said and I did what was asked of me. That to me is communication. It worked, you know. But for her, it's a whole nother story. Um, the other day, <clears throat> we're in the house. I was around the corner. She's in the other room talking. I'm listening. And she just stops and says, I'm going to wait till you come back in here. So she just stopped talking. So I come back in there, and, and she continues to talk. And then she stops. She goes, are you listening to me? So I put down the remote, and I <laughs> looked at her. And so now I'm looking at her, and she's, she's continuing to talk. And then she goes, are you hearing a word I'm saying? I'm like, yes. She said, well, you're not saying a word. What she needed was some, "Uh uh-huh, okay, yeah. She needed me to to verbally connect in that way. It wasn't enough just for me to be there in the room, but I needed to be verbally and emotionally connected in the conversation. What I've learned, guys, you may understand this, is there's a difference from just being there and and being there there. You know what I mean? being there and there, there, there's a a pretty big difference. Well, let me ask you a question. When it comes to God, have you ever wondered if God was there? I'm not talking about his existence. Most of us in this room probably would say, yeah, we believe God exists, but do you wonder if he's really there? I mean, not just there, but there, there. I mean, inner intimately connecting with you in your life? Well, I've questioned it, I have to admit. I mean, after all, God is invisible. I don't see him necessarily, and I've never heard him speak audibly to me. Um, I've questioned it. I've wondered if God was there. This week i thought a lot about this, and what I realized is that so often We define God's presence, whether or not he's there, by our human perception of things. Oftentimes, I I define his presence by my expectations. I expect God to interact with me like I would my wife or or a colleague or or a friend. I expect when I pray something up that he's going to get back to me by the end of the day, just like an email or a text. You know, that's what people do. I expect Him to, to engage with me emotionally, pick me up when I'm down, and, and celebrate with me when I'm up. I, I often define God based on my expectations. We also define God so often by what we feel. You know, when I when I feel warm fuzzies, and and the worship gives me, me goosebumps, and, and I just feel this overwhelming sense of peace and joy, then God's there, no question, right? We, and we, we define we, we define him based on, on what we feel. But when those things are not present, then we're like, oh, I don't know. I don't, I just don't know if God's there. I just don't know. We also define him by our circumstances. So often if life is good, oh, God is just blessing. <laughs> life is, he is such a good God, you know, and we're so in tune and, and, and yes, God's there. But when life's hard, when we're going through the, the, the deep valleys of life, then we're just not so sure anymore if God is there. We define God's presence based on our human perception of things. We expect him to act like we think he should act and we base it on our feeling and our circumstances. And we, we define him from a human perspective rather than the truth of Scripture and what the Bible says about God's presence. So what I thought we should do to begin things is to just take a, a, a survey, to walk through Scripture real quick and show you just a, a little bit of an overview of what the Bible says about God's presence. Are you with me? Okay, I'm gonna make sure you're awake. I know it's, you know, summer and everybody's a little tired or whatever, but here we go. We're gonna, we're gonna talk about the presence of God. Well, the first thing, is we read in Psalm ninety, I love this verse. Let me read this to you, verse two. It says this: Before the mountains were born, or you were brought, fu- or you brought forth the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. What this tells us is that God has always been. He didn't have a start. He doesn't have an end. He is self-existent. He has always been there. And for him not to be there would be going against the very nature of who he is. God is there. He is self-existent. We also know that he is everywhere. Look at Psalm 139. It says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there... Your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. What we see is that God is a God who is there, there. He is everywhere. No matter where we go in our life, He is there. We also see through this that He is, let me give you a theology term, He is omnipresent. That means He can be everywhere at once. He can be working in your life and in your life and in your life and my life all at the same time. He is there everywhere at all times. He is omnipresent. I'm also created with a longing to be there with him. Psalm 42, 1 says, As the deer pants for the streams of water, so my soul pants for you, longs for you. We have a longing inside of us. Ecclesiastes tells us that we have a longing for eternity, to be in God's presence forever forever. We, we were created to be there with him in his presence. You jump on to, to Acts 17. I love what it says about God here. It's talking about God's plan for our lives, where we live, what we're doing, how life is playing out in our lives. And it says, God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. And then it says, for in him we live and move and have our being. I love this because it tells me that a lot of times what I'm going through in my life is all God's plan for me to find him and to see him there in my life. And not only that, but he's not far from me. He is there. He is close. And I am completely independent upon his presence to live and breathe and move throughout his life. I need him. I love the picture you get in the garden. We get a, a great picture of how God originally wanted to, to act and relate to his creation in the Garden of Eden. It says in Genesis 3.8, Then the man, man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden because of their sin. What we see is a picture of God, the almighty God of creation, walking in the cool of the day, in the garden, looking for his creation, looking for the man and woman. It was, it was not an unusual thing for God to walk and talk with man. But then sin entered the equation. And man was thrown out of the garden and God's proximity had to change because of sin. But yet, even through that, God made his presence known and established a way for men to be in relationship and to be in his presence. He created the sacrificial system. Once sin entered, men had to go to the temple and they had to offer a sacrifice, a blood sacrifice to pay for their sin, to restore their relationship with God. And in the temple that God instructed to be built was the Holy of Holies, In the Holy of Holies was the Ark of the Covenant. And in the Ark of the Covenant is where the presence of God dwelt. And he made known to his people that that is where God was. He was there in the temple. He always wanted his people to know where he was. And so we see that in Scripture, push forward. And the ultimate expression of his presence was found in Jesus. Look at what it says here in Matthew one twenty three. It says, The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and they will call him, what? Emmanuel, which means God with us. He loved us so much that he pursued us. He wanted a relationship with you and with me. And he gave his son to live and dwell here, to be there in this world to, to live with us, to teach us, to show us the life that we are to live, and to ultimately die a sacrificial death so that we could be restored to God. And when He resurrected from the dead and ascended into the heavens, He left us His Spirit. And when we enter into a relationship with Christ and we commit our life to Him, what do we do? We invite Him into our life. And the Bible says that the Holy Spirit comes to dwell in us, we become the new temple. Look at what 1 Corinthians 3.14 says. It says, Do you not know that you are a temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? Think about that for just a second. The Old Testament shows us that the temple was where God dwelt, and people knew that was where God would be. Now, in the New Testament, after Jesus' life and death and resurrection, he gives us his spirit, and we become the new temple, and he now dwells in us. The most intimate of relationships you could possibly come up with. God is in me, and scripture says I am in him. We're more intimately woven together. God is a God who wanted to be present, who wanted to be there, and he established the most intimate way for that to happen. And then we push on in Second John, it says, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. We are there in his hand, in his presence. And we have a promise of being there with God throughout eternity. You see, when we push through scripture, and there's so much more we could have covered. But when we push through, we see that God is a God who's not only there, but he is there, there. A God that is not hiding, a God who, who, is, who is off in the shadow somewhere, but a God who is very present, actively moving and working, longing to be in our presence and having a relationship with Him. At the end of the day, the question really isn't, God, are you there? The question is, where are you? Where am I? Are we there? Are we intimately engaging him? Because the truth is, God has not gone anywhere. He's there. So often, I've seen it in my life. Maybe you've seen it in yours. We get wrapped up in this life. Let's say we are a believer. We've committed our life to Christ. We put on our good Christian clothes or whatever and go to church on Sunday or, or however our life is going at the time. But so often, we disregard God. We say, well, you know, I know I need to get better at Spending some time with him and reading my Bible and going to church, I, I know that I need to start giving more, but I've got all these 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 bills, and, and I know I need to better be a better husband and love my wife like Christ loved the church, and I know there's there's all these things I, I should do, but right now I, I I'll do it maybe in the fall, okay, God, and we disregard him, and then at times we take it up a notch or two, and we decide, you know what, I don't like the way life's going, I'm feeling pretty crummy and. I just want some satisfaction. I want to escape this life. I want to just do it my own way. And we completely diss God and we disobey God and we fall into sin and we chase this or that trying to, to medicate and try to satisfy things in our life and do it our own way. And we fall into sin and we just push him back a little more. Maybe you can relate to this. I know I can so often. We're just so distracted I mean, we we are chasing the kids and the, and the family and ballet practice and soccer games. And then we've got work and all of this career stuff. And then we're worried about our finances, how we're going to make ends meet. And then we've got all this family drama going on and we're not sure how to deal with it. And we've got to take a vacation and we've got to mow the yard. And we've got to clean the house. And there's just so much stuff to do. And we just don't have time and we're just so distracted that if God walked in and, and blew a horn in our face we couldn't hear him because we're just so distracted then there's probably some here that maybe you're just you just you're just so disappointed your expectations haven't been met you, you, life didn't didn't happen like you thought it should happen and and you're hurt and you're feeling broken and and disappointed in God, maybe that, that bitterness is just eating you up and and, and anger and, and you're just kind of mad at God for this. And because you, you've been distracted, you, you have disobeyed him, you've dissed him, you've been you've been disappointed in him, you've disregarded him, we've pushed him where into the shadows, into the corner, and then you go. God, where are you? I need you. Where are you? Well, the truth is, he's there. He hasn't gone anywhere. The, the, the problem is, we're not there. We've pushed him into the corner. And you know something? Life will never work when that's where we place God in our lives. We have been created to have this vibrant, active relationship with God... To, to give him that, that seat of honor in our lives, to put him at the forefront of our lives. That is where the stuff is. And I don't know about you, that's where I need God and where I want God to be in my life. If we're going to experience his presence, we've got to learn that experiencing that presence, sensing that presence, being aware of his presence in our lives, get this, it flows from pursuing a faith-filled relationship with Him. A faith-filled relationship with Him, pursuing that relationship with Him in our lives. So, that sounds good and everything, you know, brought it all down. But what in the world does that look like? What does it mean? What does it look like to pursue a relationship with God? Well, let me show you a picture of that. Okay, here it is. Ready? So beautiful, isn't that awesome? Now, now that that shekinah glory, that halo over my head, shows you just how spiritual I really am. Actually, it's kind of it's kind of covering up my bed head. I've got hair sticking up all over. And, and that cup I'm holding up, that is my Ten Commandments mug. I mean, you know you're spiritual when you have a Ten Commandments mug. <laughs> Seriously, okay, what this is, is this is just something I do in the mornings because I'm fresh. I sit down in my study there. I love that couch. It's nice and comfortable. I get my coffee because I love coffee and I get my Bible and I get my journal and I've got my computer there so I can look some things up. And I usually have Pandora.com playing so I can hear some, some worship music and I just sit down in God's presence right there in my office. At home, and usually what I do is I, I, before I go, God, I need this and I need that, and will you change this and all those things? I, I usually just have to start and go, okay, God, I recognize that you are God and I am not, and I know you see things a lot different than I do, and I am humbled to be in your presence today. Thank you for who you are, like Andrew led us, where we just take that time to just thank him for being who he is, and I, and I place myself in my rightful place under. Him, And then I typically will will get my Bible and I'll start reading. There's usually a a, a book of the Bible or something that I'm reading through. Or if I'm really struggling, I'll just turn to Psalms and just read that heartfelt Psalms or whatever. And then I get my journal and I usually just start writing my prayers or or, or just writing out what I'm thinking or feeling and trying to process through. And so often, right there with my bedhead and my Ten Commandments, that is where God meets me. And that is the time that, that so often I'll write down and I'll go, that's it. That's the answer to what I'm struggling with. Sometimes it'll be just a sense of peace that'll just come overwhelm me and I'll just be so thankful for, for God and what he's doing in my life. Sometimes it's not so pretty. Sometimes I'll be sitting there and he'll call to mind something, uh, a, a misstep of mine, how I, maybe I had disobeyed and dissed him and been distracted or something like that. And I'll just feel horrible and I'll just be, be convicted and broken Before Him, And you know what? There are sometimes when I'm sitting there and I'm doing all that and and I finish and I say amen on my prayer and I don't feel a thing, but it doesn't mean he's not there because it's not based on that. If we're going to experience God, then it begins with pursuing him through personal worship, just spending that time. And, And you know what happens when we do this in essence, when it's all boiled down? When we spend that time and we pursue Him quietly before Him, we humble ourselves before Him. We just kneel at Him and we realize we are completely and totally dependent on Him. I love what Scripture says. It says that when we, in James 4.10, it says, humble yourselves therefore before the Lord and He will lift you up. You want to see God's presence in your life? Then humble yourself before Him. I love the picture of God coming in and, and grabbing me wrapping his arms and lifting me up out of my circumstance, sustaining me, protecting me, doing whatever it is he needs to do in my life, but, but it being God and not me. We want to experience his presence, then we got to pursue him through personal worship. But you know, we talked earlier about something. I want to bring it back to mind. And that was this, this thing about Feelings. You know, we, we often define God's presence based on our feelings. We even judge other people by, based on what we feel they should be like or what they seem to be feeling in their, their life. But we, we define it by feelings. Now, feelings, they're kind of funny. I like to say feelings are fickle, you know? I mean, they're great. God gave them to us, and they're the spice of life. I can't imagine going through life without feeling emotion and feeling something going on. But you know what? They can lie to us too. And so often we can be misguided and we can make some wrong turns because we just feel something. I've felt it in my life. I've observed it in others' lives. Sometimes we feel rejected. We feel abandoned. We feel depressed. We feel lonely. We feel anger or bitterness or or whatever it is we feel... And because we feel this so strong and and it's it's so loud in our head that we try to do anything we can to not feel that any longer. And, And the evil one comes in and he lies to us. And before you know it, we've jumped into the wrong things. We may play the victim card and say, well, it's everyone else's fault. Look at what my life has been. Look how my parents acted. Look what I've been through. And it's your fault. It's your fault. It's your fault. And we whine and we cry all about it. Then there are times that that we are just so hurt or whatever that that we just want to medicate and we we fall into substance abuse. We overeat. We spend money we don't have. We we look at pornography or whatever it is. We, We choose bad relationships just to try to get out of these feelings that are killing us. And these feelings lead us astray. Something God has revealed to me in my life and believe me, I still have to work on it. I still have to fight it. But a true mark of spiritual maturity is when you can identify those feelings and bust through that wall of emotion and walk forward in obedience. Walk forward in truth and not in these fickle, funny feelings that tend to drive our lives. You know, when God began to reveal this to me, I started writing down scripture into this index card. And I mean, this thing is falling apart. It's kind of, kind of weak now. But a lot of times when I'm feeling these feelings and I'm feeling tempted or whatever it is I'm going through, those are the times I just have to sit down with God and I have to take the truth and I just have to read it and soak in it. You might say just marinate on it for a little while. 1 John three nineteen is one of the verses I have here. It says, this is then how we know that we belong to the truth. And how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. Whenever our hearts condemn us. For God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. And I'll take a scripture like that and I'll just I'll just pray it. God, you know everything. You know what I'm feeling. You, you, you transcend these, these, these emotions that are lying to me. And I just need to see the truth. I need to know what the next thing is. And I'll just work through and read through and pray through the scripture. And then I get up. And the best thing I can... I walk forward in obedience, whether I feel like it or not. And what i 've realized is that when I walk forward in obedience, the feelings and the emotions then follow, and they begin to line up with the truth. One of the ways God has taken me down some some valleys and some 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 rugged paths um, is through my 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 marital um, position of my life. Uh, I spent 41 years single, you know, and at first that was pretty cool. I mean, when I was in my twenties, I mean, it was fun. You couldn't have paid me to be married. I mean, I was having a good time. I was, it was like, I was living in the cast of friends, you know, I don't know who I was, but I was having a good time. You know, we had Phoebe and Chandler and the whole gang. We hung out the coffee shop and we would blow and go. And it was great until I turned 30. And then people started getting married and and there wasn't as much activity. And then I turned 35 and then people started having babies and their second baby and their third baby. And I'm like, whoa, I'm, I'm like way behind here. And then I turned 40 and boy, you know, you turn 40 and you're single and the culture says there's something wrong with you and you shouldn't be like this. Talking about feelings. I had some funky feelings. To say, the, to say it lightly. And there were times where I just felt lonely. I felt discouraged. I felt like God had just turned out the lights and left the building. He'd he just forgotten about me. And I, my, my, my self-confidence was being shaken. I questioned being in ministry. The whole thing. All because of, of this one thing. And then God began to teach me this principle. About walking forward in truth rather than feelings. I remember one night... I was, it was a Friday night and I was home alone. Now, for a single person to be home alone on a Friday night, I mean, yeah, that's what you think, you know? And and it's like the cardinal sin don't stay home alone on a Friday night because you will be that awkward single guy, you know? And and so here I was. I'd just broken up with a girlfriend. And so I'm home, and I'm feeling sorry for myself, and I start thinking, well, maybe I should get back with her. I mean, you know, maybe it wasn't all that bad. I mean, all it takes is one lonely Friday night. You could have been dating Satan's bride, and she now looks better to you, you know? And so you're ready to jump back into it. And so I'm home, and I'm alone, and I'm kind of just, no one's around. I didn't have anything to do, and I start feeling discouraged and lonely and rejected and all those, blah, 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 all those things, and so... God reminded me of this principle that he'd been teaching me. And so I began to pray about it a little bit and kind of called to mind some scripture that I knew applied to this situation. Things like, you know, you're made in God's image. He doesn't, he doesn't make mistakes. And that he does have a plan and purpose for my life, no matter what. Paul said that there's great blessing in singleness if you will embrace that blessing. It's not a curse as you're thinking it is. And I started to, to renew my mind. But, you know, I still felt crummy. it didn't just change like that. And so often when we're walking through those feelings, what we have to do is we have to remind ourselves our truth and then we have to take the next right step, take the next step of obedience. And so at that moment, I just felt like God was saying, you know what, don't stay home. Just get out of the house, neutralize the situation and go, go to Starbucks and read. Just go there and do that. Now I gotta tell you, I didn't feel like it. The last thing I really wanted to do was to go up to Starbucks and sit there all alone on a Friday night and watch all these cute little dating couples come in to get their little Frappuccino together and to go sit out and make goo goo eyes at each other. I didn't feel like doing that, but I did. So I go up there and I sit down and I start reading and stuff. And then I look up and a friend of mine walked in that I hadn't connected with in a while. And he sits down and we start talking and kind of engaging in some conversation. We decide, well, let's go, let's go grab something to eat. Okay, that's cool. So we went and grabbed something to eat. We ran into some other friends. We ended up back at Starbucks sitting outside for a couple of hours just laughing and talking. And, you know, I had the opportunity to share some things with people. And I went home a completely different person. I was fulfilled. I was happy about life. And you know something? I saw God move in my life and answer prayers and and come to my rescue. And what I learned was it was all because of a step of obedience, not because I was trying to manage my feelings in some way. You want to see God's presence in your life, then walk in truth and not in feeling. Then you will see him show up. We've got to we've got to make sure that we pursue him in a relationship with him. We've got to walk in in truth and not feeling. But you know, I know that that sometimes circumstances are pretty crummy. I know there's people you're you're sitting here right now and you're going through it. Life's hard. You know what? I don't get it. I don't know why. I mean, sometimes I wonder, I mean, it's like, why, why does this person seem to be blessed and have life so easy? And this person over here is just so hard right now. I don't know, but you know what? I'm not God either. And I can't expect God to interact and work and move in my life like I would expect someone else to, because I don't judge what is fair, what is right from the same vantage point that he does. His ways are not my ways. His mind is not my mind. And I have to trust that he is in control. And I've found this in life, is that sometimes life is easy. Sometimes God just seems to be doling out the blessings and and it's easy to believe and it's a great situation. And then there are times where it is hard. And all we can do is just sit down in his presence and just hold on tight. And just believe that no matter what we're going through, he is still there and he is still God. There's a scripture that I love. It's found in James 2. It says this, it says, consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Remember, the pursuit of God in a relationship with Him. And perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete and not lacking anything. So often I have to hold on to God and have to realize that He is still in control and that no matter what I'm going through that I must trudge through this. It is God's plan and his way so that he can get me to the place that he needs me to be so that I will be complete. I will be mature. I will be lacking nothing in my life and I hold on to that hope in faith. It is a faith-filled journey. We want to experience his presence, then we've got to have faith. We've got to walk in truth and not feeling, and we've got to pursue Him with all of our might. The question is not, God, where are you? The question is, where are you? Are you there there? Are you engaging God and pursuing Him with a faith-filled pursuit? That is where we experience Shema, the Lord is there. Let me invite you to pray with me for a second. I know that there are some here today, and maybe you're sitting there and you're saying, I've never experienced God's presence. I've never put all this, this together, and but I'm longing, I'm empty, I'm searching. I know that I need him in my life. Well, you know it's real simple. Just as the scripture said, he's not far away. All you have to do is say, pray this prayer after me. God, I've sinned. I've disobeyed. I've dissed you. I've set you aside. Forgive me. I want to invite you to come into my life. And I want to commit to following you and pursuing you through personal worship. I want to commit to to seeking you with my heart and my life the rest of my days. Scripture says that when we pray that prayer, immediately the Holy Spirit comes to live in us. We are his child and no one can take that away from us. You have full access to the God of creation. You don't have to go through a priest to a temple, but you have full access to him now. And that changes everything. Maybe you're here this morning and you say, I'm the guy that's put the chair in the corner. I've been distracted, disappointed. I've disobeyed. I've disregarded him. And now I want to bring him to the forefront of my life. If that is you, in this moment, just pray a prayer. He's not far away. Just say, God, take control. I humble before you, take it over. I give you that, that seat of honor in my life. Lord, this morning. We thank you that you are here and you are in our lives for those of us who have committed our life to you. Thank you that, that you are a God has made your presence known. And Lord, I pray that as we continue into this week, that we would put you at the forefront and that we would seek you, that we would engage you, that we would be present, that we would be there, there. And as we are, God, we just ask that you would show up and you would make your presence known. Give us the endurance. Give us the perseverance to hold on and to pursue you in faith. And I pray this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.